0: as um, we hear a word from the Lord today. Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov, Hashem Yeshua, Mishikainu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come before you, God, and we ask you to speak to our hearts, to change our lives, and to move, Lord, in this place. God, that we would be, Lord, like these heroes of faith that we are reading about and studying God, that we would, Lord, be like them in the world; that we would be salt and light to the earth. And we ask it, Peshem Yeshua. And God's people said, "Do you have that other prayer that we put up last week?" Um, it starts out Avinu Malkenu. Could you look, Randy? Okay, yeah. All right. How about you just pray after me, Avinu Malkenu. Our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word today in Yeshua's name. Amen. That's a good thing to pray any time we open up the word, that God would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what he would say to us and that he would give us the will, right? It says that he gives us the power to will and to do his pleasure, because sometimes you might not feel like running into the will of God, just like Yeshua wasn't that into being, right, hung on a tree. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And so God gives us the ability to will and to do. Amen? Amen? We are continuing in our series, Heroes of Faith. And the term hero... Denotes someone who has accomplished a heroic feat, something significant in nature. By the way, I just want to say welcome back to Natalie and Fred De We've been missing your punhums uh, for a little bit. But I'm glad we're glad you're back. A hero does something significant. And so are the, the fellow we're looking at today, Stephen was a powerful man of God. It doesn't always denote the amount of time that they were given to impact the world for Messiah. Sometimes a hero could have a short little opportunity to do something powerful, and Stephen is one such example. The Shaliachim, right? The 12 Shaliachim. Do you know what that word means, Shaliachim. When I say that, it's the Apostles. Okay, but they weren't called apostles. They were called the Sheliachim. That's what they were called. The Sheliachim appointed Shamashim. And Shamashim, um, the word means servant. And they did that so they would not have to wait on tables. So, in one sense, Stephen was a waiter, he was a waiter. So the Shaliachim didn't have to do it. They selected seven men to wait on the tables. But he was more than a waiter. So who was this man? Stephen. Stephen was one of the first shamashim in the Brit Shah. In addition, Stephen was also the first martyr of the faith. That's a word that we don't know much about, do we? You know what? In other countries, believers in Yeshua get martyred on a regular basis. Isn't that kind of, that seems surreal to us. But it's very much a reality in a lot of the world. And Stephen was the first one. In addition, Stephen only appears in the scripture for two short chapters, found in Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7. But it provides great insight into the life of the early Kahal congregation and serves as an example of how faith in Messiah can lead people to do great things. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say that you can do great things. You know what? Because we don't often think of ourselves in that light. See, we leave that for the people we read. They have done great things. But I want you to know that you can do great things with Messiah's help. Stephen is first mentioned, as I said, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, as a part of a group of men that were chosen to be shamashim. They were told to choose men who were full of faith in the Ruach Kodesh. The decision by the Shiliachim pleased everyone and they chose seven men who were full of faith and the Ruach HaKodesh. I'm going to read Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. It says, around this time when the number of Talmudim was growing, the Greek-speaking Jews began complaining against those who speak Hebrew that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So the twelve called a general meeting of the Talmudim and said, It isn't appropriate that we should neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among yourselves who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will appoint them to be in charge of this important matter. But we ourselves will give our full attention to praying and to serving the word. What they said was agreeable to the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Ruach HaKodesh, Philip, Procorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, who was a proselyte from Antioch. And they presented these men to the emissaries who prayed and laid their hands on them, so the word of God continued to spread. The number of Talmudim in Jerusalem increased rapidly, And a large crowd of Kohanim. Sometimes we miss that. But a large crowd of Kohanim were becoming obedient to the faith. God was moving, right? And he was moving partly because the Shiliachim were freed up by these seven men to do what they needed to do. But these seven men, and specifically Stephen, was a great man in his own right. We find Stephen at the top of the list as far as qualified men that the Shaliachim recognized as capable of handling the ministry. One of those qualities that they recognized is that Stephen was a servant. And you know what? These are all qualities we can cultivate in our lives. Stephen, by the title given him and the qualities, had the qualities of a servant. The term shamashim is the equivalent to the Greek word deacon. Which means servant from Dionokonos. Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. He obviously had a good reputation because he was one of the seven. And he was qualified to serve. Why do you think he was qualified to serve? Because he was already serving. You see, he was a man who had a servant's heart and they saw it on him. They recognized that he was one who would be up for the task. As we read on in the text, we find that Stephen had an anointing really more consistent with the sheliach. right? It says signs and wonders were done through his hand. We see in chapter 7 how he exposes and and, um, just expands the word of God and and breaks it open right before these leaders of Israel. Yet, his character allowed him to serve in the capacity of a shamashim. He had an anointing consistent with the Sheliach, but he didn't say, no, 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 friends, you're missing it. I'm not just a, a, a waiter. I have a great anointing to heal the sick. I have a great anointing to proclaim the word of God. No, it's not a small thing that we see. He humbled himself and said, no, no, I'll be a servant to wait on tables. That's just fine. A highly qualified leader in his own right, yet he humbled himself to serve in a more menial capacity. Waiting on tables was not beneath Stephen if that's where the need was, he was willing to serve. You often see heroes fill positions that the elites might look down on. But I'll tell you what, when your house is burning and the fireman comes in who's making maybe $50,000 a year, and saves your house, and saves your kids, that's a hero. Stephen, though, had an official title of a waiter, if we could say, was a hero of the faith. I believe these people that are heroes, that perhaps have a title of the more menial, could do anything they want to do. But because they have a servant's heart, they do what's necessary. They're willing to serve. They do jobs that are seemingly beneath them. I wonder how many people in the Malchut Elohim, the kingdom of God, are tremendously gifted by God yet fail the servanthood test. How many people have tremendous giftings, yet they fail the servanthood test? They're not willing to serve. And listen, if we're not willing to serve, we're of no use to God. God was looking for men who would serve. He found Moshe on the backside of the desert. And by that time, Moshe couldn't even speak a full sentence without stuttering. Yet Moshe's heart was the heart of a servant and thus qualified for God. The truth is God is not desperate for gifted people since he could give gifts to people as he pleases. The gifts come from him. However, he is looking for people who will say hineni. Here I am, Lord. I'm willing to go. I have a question for you today. Are you willing to serve God in a capacity that perhaps you didn't think you'd be doing? Perhaps people might say that's beneath your talent level. Are you willing to serve God? Baruch Hashem, Stephen was. Here I am, Hashem, I will serve in whatever capacity you desire. When you could say that from your heart and mean it, then you're a servant. You have a servant's heart. God, I'm willing to serve you. Look what it says in Mark chapter 10 about the Messiah. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know that title, Son of Man, is a title of deity? It's, it's, it's the antithesis of what we think. We think Son of Man relates to his humanity, but in actuality, Son of Man refers to his deity from Daniel that the divine one, hear that, translated like that, for even the divine one did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, have, are you a believer? This is what it says for every believer. Have this attitude in yourself which was also in Messiah Yeshua, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he'd emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a tree. That's powerful. And it says, take this attitude on yourself. That's what Stephen did. He did that exact thing. He didn't think equality with the other sheliachs, right? Was something like he had to say, no, 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 I'm as anointed as you, Kepha. Look of all the miracles and look at my ability to proclaim the word. He didn't do that. He said, no, 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 that's okay. I will be a shamashim. I will humble myself and serve in the kingdom. Luke chapter 22. And there arose also a dispute among them. Talmudim, as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. you see the the problem with mankind, sinful man? We want to be the greatest. We want to be the one noticed. We want to be the one that gets the recognition. And guess what? It is common to our humanity. And even here, the Talmudim who are walking with the ultimate servant in the universe are arguing among themselves who will be greatest. And he said to them, Yeshua said, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is greatest among you must become the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. Follow my lead, is what he's saying. Be a servant. Um, if I can trouble, an usher or something for a little water. I appreciate that. So think of this, in our efforts to emulate the characteristics of this great hero of the faith, we should look to be those who cultivate a servant's heart toward God in his kingdom. Meaning, God, here I am. Tell me what to do, no matter what it is. Thank you, appreciate that. I'll do it. Can I tell you, you know, a lot of times people look at what we do as so we stand up before the congregation. Could I can tell you, this, this is true, absolutely true. 95% of what we do takes place doing menial things, what would be considered menial things, behind the scenes doing things. Like, for instance, the own egg you're going to eat today and enjoy was days of preparation and running around and picking up and cooking and all those things that we as the rabbis had a major hand in. And we do it because we want to do it. Why? Because we are servants of God. And whatever he says to do, we do. Our joy comes from obeying God. Serving the living God is where our joy comes from. So it doesn't matter if people recognize you or don't recognize you or say, good job, Rabbi, or don't say anything. It is because we desire to serve God. That's why we do it. We trust you'll be blessed. The falafels are really good. The goodies are really good too. We trust you'll be blessed. But we get our joy out of serving God. God is awesome. God saved me from a pit. He reached down his hand and he took me up from the pit and put my feet on a rock. For me to lay down my earthly life for him is so worth it. Not only was Stephen a servant, but he was full of the Ruach Kodesh in wisdom. Say, God, fill me with your Ruach. Think about it. Before the Sheliachim said another word, this is what they said: Choose men who are known to be full of the Ruach in wisdom. I want someone full of the Ruach. You mean Kefa? What do you need someone full of the Ruach to serve bread? Why does someone have to be full of the Ruach to do such a simple thing? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because in their service to people, they're going to be doing a lot more than just serving bread. They're going to be serving up the bread of heaven. You see, this was the criteria for the seven to be chosen and Stephen came out on top of the list. It says in verse 5 of chapter 6, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Ruach HaKodesh. Here is why it was so important that Stephen was full of the Ruach and wisdom. Okay, you want to know why? Go down to verse 9 of chapter 6. But opposition, say opposition. Have you ever been opposed? Yeah, have you ever been opposed in your faith? But opposition arose from the members of the synagogue of the freed slaves, as it was called. Composed of Cyrenians and Alexandrians. And people from Cilicia in the province of Asia. They argue with Stephen. But listen, they argue with Stephen. Now, if Stephen wasn't full of the Ruach, perhaps they would have gotten the better of him. They argued with Stephen, but could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. Why is that? Because he was full of the Ruach HaKodesh. Friends, you and I need to be full of the spirit and his power. In these last days, I know it's the last days. You want to know why? Because the Brit Kodeshah says it's the last days. And in these last days, if we are going to thrive as believers, we cannot be weak, anemic people of God. We need to be strong and filled with the fire and the power of God in his spirit. You see, even at his death, by an angry crowd, think about this. How many of us would be able to do this? If it happened right now, if an angry crowd ran in here, threw open the doors and had stones, and there weren't pebbles like you find in your rock garden. These were stones. And they had stones. And they, and they just put you before everyone. They're, gonna, they're ready to stone you to death. And Stephen said, Here I am, Lord. Here I am. It says, but he, Stephen, full of the Ruach HaKodesh, looked up to heaven and he saw God's Shekinah with Yeshua standing at the right hand of God. This man was full of the Ruach even to his dying day. The Shaliachim required that of the seven because they knew the importance of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer. How reliant are you on the Spirit of God? And how reliant are you on your flesh? That's a good question to answer. Because I'll tell you what, if Stephen was relying on his flesh, that would have been a miserable day for him. But he was able to do it and to endure it and to glow from the Shekinah because he was filled with the Ruach Kodesh. In Acts chapter 1, it says in one of these gatherings... Yeshua instructed them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait, say wait, for what the Father promised, which you heard about from me. For Yochanan used to immerse people in water, but in a few days you will be immersed, say immersed, in the Ruach HaKodesh. Then in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, both in Yerushalayim and in all Yehuda and Shimron, indeed to the ends of the earth. You will be my witness. Exactly what Stephen was, his witness. Why do you need this empowering of God? Because are you going to stand up in front of the angry crowd who is saying all sorts of nasty things to you, ready to stone you to death without it? Then in Acts two four it says they were all filled. Say all filled, with the ruach hakodesh and began to talk in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. In Acts chapter four verse thirty one, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the ruach hakodesh and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Then in Acts thirteen fifty two, and the Talmudim were continually. Say continually continually filled with joy and with the Ruach HaKodesh. Ephesians chapter 5 and 18, do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation, but be filled with the Ruach. Friends, if you're not filled with the Ruach, if we're not filled with the Ruach, we're going to struggle in this life. I want to tell you that you could already sense it brewing. The opposition that's coming our way. Friends, if you I trust that you have eyes to see and ears to hear, there is opposition a-brewing like we've never faced before. See, we've been kind of exempt from the rest of the world. Believing world in our own little oasis of bliss. But if I can tell you, if you don't see the writing on the wall, there is opposition coming. And we best be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. And I say that not to scare us, but to inspire us, because with the Ruach, we will shine like Stephen we will be filled with God's might and his power and his boldness, not shrinking back, not taking steps backward, but moving forward, declaring the glory of God. Friends, we need to see the writing on the walls. Stephen, like the Nevi'im of old, was empowered by the Ruach of Adonai to confront the religious leaders about their sin and their opposition. Hear this, this is important, important. Their opposition, say opposition. Opposition. They opposed the Ruach HaKodesh. Verse 51 of chapter 7, stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you continually oppose the Ruach HaKodesh. You see that? That's a very bad thing. You continually oppose the Ruach HaKodesh. Remember Yeshua saying every sin could be forgiven except what sin was it? The one that is blasphemy against the Ruach HaKodesh. Why is that? Because it's calling what is from God as if it's not. As if it's from the other place. Micah 3.8, look at this old covenant prophet, what he says. He says, on the other hand, I am filled with power, with the Ruach of Adonai, and with justice and courage to make known to Jacob his rebellious act, even to Israel his sin. That's exactly what Stephen was filled with, the same Ruach HaKodesh, that enabled him to declare to the Jewish leaders their sin and their need to turn and repent. We must be open and receptive to the Ruach HaKodesh. Too many people oppose his empowerment for fear of looking foolish or different. I'm going to tell you a quick story, real quick. I was watching someone who in themselves is eccentric. And she was telling a story. And she was tell- tells a story of her next door neighbor who was of a persuasion of faith that did not believe in the empowerment of the spirit. And through a set of circumstances, her friend came to uh, believe and receive the empowerment of the f- spirit. And she said, her friend kind of did some odd things. She said, I thought they were weird. But then again, who, who am I to talk since I'm weird? This is what she says. And she said she would be talking to a friend and her friend would go like this. Who ya <laughs> Okay. That's strange, right? How you doing? Who Who And so she would make fun of her. And she like goof goof on who you hire? You know, just make fun of her, like, how retarded is that? Who you hire? Who you hire? Don't you look like silly. Until this person went and she was ministering at a meeting of Arab believers. And the man stands up before the before the audience, and what does he say? Huyahiah. And what does Huyahiah mean? He's alive. So, the whole for those years that she was, that she thought this lady was being a little strange, Huyahiah, she was saying, He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Sometimes we oppose the Spirit of God because we don't want to look like Huyahiah. We think that's silly. That's ridiculous. Yet she was glorifying God. He's alive. What is the hope if he's not alive? She's says, We have none. If the dead aren't raised, if Messiah did not raise, we don't even have a faith, a hope, nothing. Hu is a pretty good statement. He's alive. So if, you, if, you, if you're at the Oneg, I hear you saying huyahaya, that's okay. Awesome. <laughs> you and I need to be full of the Ruach. And we see that Stephen was also full of grace and power. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Guys, we live in an age of, of the, the world of faith where signs and wonders have been removed as if they don't exist. But yet, if you read the Word of God from pillar to post in the original languages, you see a God who does nothing but signs and wonders from beginning to end. Miraculous things, supernatural things, glorious things from beginning to end. Yet we serve, we have put Him in a religious box that all we do is go through forms and motions. And we don't believe really that He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Friends, that's not the God I serve. I serve the, the living God who does miracles and signs and wonders and raises the dead and heals the sick. Oh rabbi, I don't believe that. I'm sorry. I believe it. You want to know why? Hallelujah. Could resist. <laughs> It says, Now, Stephen, full of grace and power, performed great miracles and songs among the people. We are not told what these signs were, but we know that when signs and wonders and miracles are mentioned in the scripture, it always means healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, declaring the good news to the poor. That's what it means. He was doing signs and wonders. So it's safe to say that Stephen operated in this manner as a testimony to the grace and power of God in his life. Remember Acts 1.8, but you will receive, you will receive power when the rook. Friends, a powerless faith is no faith at all. If we have no power in the kingdom of God, we are no different than any other religious group. The power is what makes the difference. Why? Because it shows that our God is alive. That's the difference maker right there. That's what separates us from every other religion is the power of heaven moving in our lives. You will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon you. You will be my witnesses both in Yerushalayim and Yehuda and Shamron, and indeed to the ends of the earth. You see, Stephen was about to find out how much he needed the power of God. <laughs> he was about to find out. And he found out in a big way. But that would enable him to endure and become the first martyr, like I said. It's the power. It's God's grace. It's the goodness of God. See, we think this world is what it's for. Friend, this world, we're just passing through. This world is an empty husk. It is a... Shell of what we have coming to us. It is a mere facade of the real thing that is in heaven. That's the truth. In heaven, it has trees with leaves for the healing of the nations. I want to tell you, it's easy. To say, because God, I haven't experienced it, it isn't so. But it's much harder to say, God, I'm going to do what it takes to see it in my life. All the people we read about that did great things. The reason they saw these great things. Friends, Moshe went up to Sinai and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Nothing to eat, nothing to drink. That's a miracle. Then he comes down and goes back up for another 40 days and 40 nights. That's a man who was willing to do whatever it took. Why did God move in such powerful ways? Because he found someone willing to do what it takes. Moshe was willing, David was willing The prophets were willing. Stephen was willing. You see, the Brit Chodesha warns us against a powerless faith. 2 Timothy 3, verse 3. Moreover, understand this. That's a cue for us to listen up. In the Akrit Hayamim, in the last days, will come trying times. People will be self-loving, money-loving, proud, arrogant, insulting, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, uncontrolled, brutal, hateful of good, traitorous, headstrong, swollen with conceit, loving pleasure rather than loving God as they retain the outer form of religion, but deny its power. Look what he says next. Stay away from these people. That's what he says. That's what he says. Those that deny the power of God, that just have religious form, stay away from them. And there's good reason for that. Stay away from them because you will kind of get assimilated into what they're doing, you will believe like them. That's a very, that's very, very strong language for a reason. If we deny the power of God, we deny God. God is all powerful and the source of all power. He promised that we would be clothed in power and that his power at work in us would distinguish us. From the rest of the world, Stephen was a hero who championed the power of God to the very end. I want to read that verse again in the Amplified. It says, But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear, for people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant, Revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, calloused and inhumane, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, intemperate, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion, Although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. That's the word of God. Avoid people that deny the power of God. You see, it is the power that Stephen operated in that enabled him as a hero of the faith to be willing to die for his faith. Friends, I I want you to ruminate on that word because as we think in our heart, right? As we think in our heart, I believe in every single word of that Bible and I think it's for me and I think it's now. God could do it all. I am the weak link in the chain, not God. I am. So I seek every day to get closer to God, to fine-tune my walk, to seek after him. Not in, not striving, because God, if he did nothing for me ever, is so awesome to be around. He is the lover of my soul. He is so worthy of praise. I love to be with him. I spend hours with God every single day. Why? Because he's my best friend. And when you do that, guess what? As you make that your life's goal to draw closer to God, things will begin to happen in your life. I heard this recently, and I just throw this out to you as a challenge. When's the last time you said to God, I love you? You see, the vahafta says, love the Lord your God. But it's not really saying, God, I love you. When's the last time you said to God, God, I love you? I'm your son, your daughter. I love you. As parents, do we not want to hear that from our kids? Draw close to God. Love on God. He is the lover of our soul. I hear the falafels brewing. So listen, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Guys, give me your best attention for the next 10 minutes, and I'm going to put something to eat in your hands, okay? Hang with the rabbi. So my fourth point and final point is this. Stephen was willing to die for his faith. Man, blew my mind. I'd like to say I'm willing to die right now, but can I tell you? If the sword presented itself right now, I would need all the grace and power and help and fullness of the spirit I could get to say, go ahead, cut my throat. Acts six eleven. So they secretly persuaded some men to allege we heard him speak blasphemously against Moshe and against God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the Torah teachers. So they came and arrested him and led him before the Sanhedrin. There they set up false witnesses. Friends, when you are opposed by hell, he will set up false witnesses against you. And he'll accuse you of all sorts of things. Bad things. Evil things. Guess what? Can I tell you something? I've been called evil. I've spent my whole adult life doing one thing, seeking after God. And so on, right to my face, call me evil. What do you say to that? Lord, bless him. Bless him. Because as they said, it's it's laughable because I know it's in my heart. And you're going to get all sorts of opposition. People say all sorts of bad things to you. Just love on the Lord. Just go after God. The only only person in the universe that really matters what they think of me is the Holy One, blessed be He. It's the only one that really matters. Yeah, do you want to be liked amongst the brethren? Of course. But in reality, he's what matters most. So they stirred up the people as well as the elders, the Torah teachers, and then they set up false witnesses. They said this man never stops speaking against the holy place and against Torah. And in the very next chapter, he expounds on the Torah. <laughs> For we have heard him say that Yeshua from Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs Moshe handed down to us. Everyone sitting in the Sanhedrin stared at Stephen and saw that his face looked like the face of an angel. Oh. Stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you continually oppose the Roka Kodesh. You do the same things your fathers did. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who told in advance about the coming of the tzaddik. And now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You who received the Torah as having been delivered by angels, do not keep it. Remember, right? I just said it last week. Listening to a a, a debate between Mike Brown and an orthodox rabbi. 75% of the forever commandments cannot be kept without a temple. 75%. On hearing these things, they were cut to their hearts and ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Ruach HaKodesh, looked up to heaven and saw God's Shekinah with Yeshua standing at at the right hand of God. Look, he exclaimed, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they began yelling at the top of their voices so they wouldn't have to hear him. And with one accord, they rushed him, threw him outside the city and began stoning him. And the witnesses laid down their coats at the feet of a young man named Shaul who would be the great Rav Shaul who rode two-thirds of the Burt Kaddushah. And look what he says. As they were stoning him. That's important. As they were stoning him. As the rocks, he's being pelted by rocks with sharp edges And he starts to bleed and he starts to get concussed as they were stoning him. Stephen called out to God, Lord Yeshua, receive my spirit. Then he kneeled down and shouted out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Reminiscent of Yeshua saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Do we get why this guy's a hero yet? <laughs> so, Stephen was ready to go to death for his faith in Messiah. He didn't water it down. He didn't back down. He didn't shrink back. He pressed forward. It says, and they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Exactly what Stephen did. Trusted in his Messiah and declared the testimony of God. Yeshua clearly taught us to lay down our lives for God, to love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. He says in Yochanan 12, the one who loves me eventually loses his life through death, but the one who hates his life in this world and is concerned with pleasing God will keep it for eternal life. Real simple, it's who's first in your life. Who's first? Let it be God. Let it be the Messiah. Let it be his kingdom. And I'll tell you what, he will never disappoint you. Ever. And if you wonder, what was the impact of Stephen? Scholars say that the reason... Shaul ended up serving God in the capacity that he served him and was open to the revelation of Yeshua on that road to Damascus. was because of the testimony of Stephen who died not in a bitter rage and anger and conflict, but died giving glory to God and saying, God, forgive these people. Forgive them. Why? Because they were his Jewish brethren who he wanted to see come into the kingdom. Okay, so it cost him his life. He was willing to sacrifice his life that they would soon believe. And scholars tell us that that is the prime reason Shaul was so open. He continues to persecute the kehila only for a short chapter or so, and then he has an experience on the road to Domestic. And he gives his life to the Messiah. And if you wanted to read it in Acts 22, he recounts of him condoning the murder of Stephen, saying how far away from God that he was. And it was that testimony of a man willing to die for the sake of his faith that inspired Two thirds of the new covenant. You know what? I'm going to close. I just want to say this is what I believe with all my heart. I believe that we in this room, now, you could take us all individually, and we probably look like a ragtag bunch. We got issues and problems, and our issues got issues. And we're working through this, that, and the other thing, and everything in between. Yet God sees us as a powerful force on the earth. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. You know what? We, you know, this series is called Heroes of the Faith, and even the word hero, we kind of envision people that were, ah like a superhero like we see on TV. These were regular people, men and women, who got dressed every morning just like we do. Same foibles we got, same doubts and challenges and struggles, yet they pursued God and did great things for him. My challenge to each and every one of us, is let's be like these great men and women that we've studied so far. Let's be like Stephen. Let's be a servant. Let's be filled with the Ruach. Let's be full of grace and power. And let's be willing, if it ever happened, that we would have to lay down our life for the Messiah, that we would say, I'll do it. Now, we pray that that never happens. I'm not eager to go anywhere. But let's be those that say, if it ever did, friend, the home we're going to is far greater than this one could ever be. God is worthy. I want to challenge you to be like Stephen. Stephen. to be a man who's a servant, full of the power, full of grace, full of wisdom, ready to lay down his life, willing to be bold, saying, He here I am, God. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Amen? Amen. And especially in light of Yom HaAtzmaut, Do you see what these men fought with? Do you see what these men and women fought with? They were like little toy guns in comparison to what the other armies had. It is their courage and their faith. How much more should we have courage and faith in this hour? Let's stand. I want you to really think about that. Friends, this is not a game we're playing. There's a real God. There's a real enemy. There are real people who are fighting over the souls of men. It's important stuff. We should consider what role we are to play in all of this. Stretch forth your hand. Ever a khalona ever yishmarekha yera donai panavila khave khunekha yesara donai panavilekha yesimlekha shalom may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I pray your peace, your sweet shalom would rest upon your people. Lord, that you would bless them and help them to pursue you with all their heart. And we ask it in Yeshua's name. Let's say a blessing over the food. Amen. <speaking in Hebrew> Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Please come upstairs.